Before we begin this week's podcast, I do want to say something that I forgot to do at the beginning of the podcast, and that is to remind you or let you know we have a song we're going to play at the end of the podcast. It is a song that one of the users made, and I thought was a very nice gesture of somebody making a song that maybe they're a fan, maybe they wanted to do something to help out the podcast so that we can have consistent intro or outro music. That's not what happened. So someone wrote a song and it was the most, it wasn't very flattering. It was more of a diss song. Now I I get that it's a joke and everything, but it was hilarious and so good that we had to put it on the podcast. So I encourage you to wait till the end of the podcast so you can listen to that song and uh, leave comments and feedback. So, with that said, let's start the podcast. We are back. And this week, another new addition to the podcast. But if you've been to our site, or if you've been around the sub, or if you've gotten into an argument, and you're like, it's not Spartacus this time. Not an argument. It's him. We got an username, SKB96. He goes by Babs. Uh, if you want to know what his real name is, you're going to have to message him because I can't remember all the letters. Don't message me. And he, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want. You want people messaging you. I mean, what, there's a certain user, and I'm sure if you've been on the sub like a lot, you know which one I'm talking about. Who uh, He likes to send out emails. I mean, he's threatened to fight me many, many times. Um, and, you, you probably deserve it. Uh, I don't know. He just sends messages me out of nowhere and accuses me of being a Pacquiao fan. And like you know me, that's that's far from me. But I get accused of that, like being super biased towards Pacquiao or being super biased towards. <laughs> like he literally has called me a Pacquiao fan and a Mayweather fan and hated me for both of those. Usually, it's so I can pick be one this, of the so other. I can be to your skip. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it's going to be this week, I guess. Um, yeah. Except I'm Shannon and you're Skip because we know oh, great. of our preferences, and you align more on the Skip side. Um, I guess that's fair. <laughs> Team Pacquiao for life. I have my Pacquiao Delahoya poster in my room, so I can't really swerve that one. Oh well, you do not want to bring that up because I'm—that's a rabbit hole we don't need to go down. All right, death by a thousand left hands. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was gonna—I was gonna say something else starts with a C, but okay. <laughs> Um, let's start. Luis Ortiz, he tested positive for another performance-enhancing drug, likely resulting in the cancellation of what was supposed to be a really big heavyweight fight, the fight, uh, again, the fight to establish whether Wilder's real or not, not happening. His camp is denying that there was any wrongdoing. They're saying that these are blood pressure medications, and Luis Ortiz has a heart condition that has him be prescribed those medications uh but really do you believe his camp um as it relates to the blood pressure medication side yes because the guy is about 50 and uh dudes who are around that age threshold seem to have blood pressure issues so that side i agree okay but everything around surround everything surrounding it becomes is where it becomes complicated because you have the issue of not um, declaring the medication you're taking towards um, Vada and what comes with that. So negligence on his team part, but I guess they are Cuban, so they are prone to being negligent. Wow, okay. Just, yeah, <laughs> you, you took Skip a little too serious on that one. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> okay, yeah, but... but um, was it? Don't you find there was something weird about the way that it was actually announced? Um, Solomon comes out with a tweet. This must have been like Friday. Yeah, it was like Friday night. Lucy's, yeah, Lucy's came out with positive test positive because like not even from Vada, just straight from WBC. Right. Well, that's so, how it works though, because Vada. Here's and this is with a lot of the the organizations. Um, they develop. or not develop the test, it's not film, but they they get the test results and then they release it to the sanctioning body and the sanctioning body can do what they like. They Mm -hmm. could test it again, they could do whatever. So they decide what they want to do with it. And in this case, uh, Suleiman thought he would break news himself and release the tweet that says, hey, Luis Ortiz has tested dirty again. Now, I don't believe him whatsoever. So fool me once, shame on you. I'm not getting fooled again. He already tested positive for a steroid. And in yeah. that fight, he like knocked out Latif Coyote in one round. Okay. And 
that's not uh, that's not really indicative of guys steroids Coyote, my Nigerian brother doesn't <laughs> isn't the greatest fight in the world but yeah he was tested positive in 2014 for nonjalone so but that's that that's the kind of that says something about your character that you're taking a performance enhancing drug to fight a fighter with a known weak chin come on now okay so second of all I think there's a reason that Ortiz didn't show up to the press conference. I mean, this is the biggest fight of your career. You're fighting in New York City in a main event, and you don't show up to the press conference. So let's, like, okay. But let's go on another route. Vladimir Klitschko, as he got older, his powers dwindled. I mean, he couldn't hurt Bryant Jennings, and it's like, come on. Luis Ortiz hurt him, but you couldn't hurt him? Vladimir Maybe, the- Maybe Ortiz was still in his cycle when he faced Jennings. Well, at, well, that's what we're getting to. So for a guy that's as old as Ortiz, and you said it, the dude's like 50 years old, that still carried that big power, um, I don't know if, if he hadn't have tested positive before and we basically just had barely found out about Ortiz in the past year or two, we'd say, okay, well, maybe Ortiz is just a devastating puncher. But I think there's a lot of suspicious like evidence here to say that Ortiz is a dirty fighter. Mm. The whole division's day, pretty much, apart from the top 2%. <laughs> so, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. No, Anthony Joshua and David Price. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, you, Wilder, are you trying to piss off British fans who listen to this? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Hasn't, didn't Wilder get caught, get caught with like weed in his car? <laughs> yeah, but like, who hasn't? <laughs> Bong squad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, well, I guess... Uh, I mean, Tyson Fury got caught with coke. Like, we're not going to yeah, say anything Tyson about people. Fury's got a, a load of problems. <laughs> right. We can get into those at another time. But so mm. I, I don't believe Ortiz one bit. And I, I think, you know, what should the punishment be here? Like, obviously, he's not getting the fight. That fight's most likely canceled, even though no, Wilder still has I think, to fight. I think, there's a, I think there's a possibility that the fight still goes on if they believe the line of thinking. That, because but, there is there is previous precedent with the WBC for going on with these kind of fights. We saw it last June with Salida Vargas, and we saw it in September, October of 2012 with Garcia Morales. Yeah, those but, two instances. So I, I guess. But the stakes weren't as high in either one. Like, in, I'll give you the uh, uh, Salido. Um, Vargas fight and the reason why Salido said let's just keep doing the fight is because one it's Salido and two Salido is probably on it himself <laughs> yeah contaminated meat and in the in the case of Morales Garcia like really when was that positive that, that must have been like the, the, a couple of days before the fight as well that it, came it was out like yeah way. it came out like the day before like either the day before or the day of the weigh in mm. yeah so I think in those instances there were kind of like Misgazing circumstances, which led you to believe that it was okay to for the fight to go on, but the WBC have set a bad precedent for themselves. Yeah, and that was also, I think, um, at least in the case of Morales and Garcia, that was not Vada, that was Usada, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because Vada only came in recently. Yeah, and after their big push from HBO, but um, <laughs> what, what's the punishment here, like? Maybe the fight gets canceled, maybe it doesn't, but shouldn't there be some sort of punishment that's handed down for a fighter that tests positive for the second time in his career for something he shouldn't be using? Well, in an ideal world, he'd be chucked out of the sport, but we don't live in an ideal world. So, what are you going to say? WBC bans him for his rankings, then he ends up number one with the WBA and managed to reach a Joshua again? Is Well, at least that would be a fair fight. Yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down for that. I'd buy my ringside ticket to Wembley and all of that. Well, I it, I think that should or, be the punishment. If he has six. to fight Joshua now. Ortiz KO six. Ortiz would not knock out Joshua, and you know that. Yeah, we'll see about that. Or if Ortiz gets hit, the first right hand Ortiz would take from Joshua, he would go down. Joshua's not that big a puncher, and you know this. Uh, Really? How many people has he not, how many people has he knocked out with one punch? Uh, I had this conversation with someone on the sub. How many people Rafael Zumbano Lob is like probably the only person. Okay, but how many people has Joshua knocked down with the right hand? Okay. 
Because you're gonna, because you, now you're you're on a slippery slope. Now, are you gonna make the case that Gennady Golovkin isn't a big puncher? How many people has he put out with one punch? I say his punch power is overall punch power is overrated and has been overrated by people like me before. But okay, once you go back and watch his that. fight, yeah. But once you go back and watch his fights, you, you realize that it's the and he talks to his opponents like he speak to the Macklins and the Murrays of the world who's gone in depth in how they fought him. It's his punch placement coupled with deep, good good power, which okay. gets him the knockout victories. Okay, but, well, we're going to talk about Dillian White in but, a little while, but, I mean, maybe we should uh, ask him how he feels. <laughs> White still thinks he's on the feed, so I guess that's <laughs> testament to Josh's punch power. Uh, so I, I just think that or in you're right that in the ideal world, Ortiz should be gone. I mean, like, I was just thinking the knockout of Vedondo was brutal. Like, if he was juicing for that fight, you know, that that's just not fair. And that's like putting someone in danger. That was the Golovkin Lemieux card, wasn't it? The temple shot. Yeah. The, yeah. The ugly knockout. <clears throat> so, now, I guess we mentioned Dillian White, so we should talk about him. Um, uh, do we have to? <laughs> do you have something you want to say about Dillian White? Because, I mean... No, you go, you, people, go, you, you go first. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to say that what I'm hearing, and you know, I'm not British, and I don't speak to as many British people probably as you do, and certainly not British casual fans, because they, all the British people I talk to complain about British casual fans, and that is that um, Dillian White isn't that great, but he's going to be an appropriate and step in at this, at this point. I mean, Dillian White... You could say he's no worse than like I don't know. I can't even. I don't really want to think of a good a good comparison, but like you know, he's a good enough opponent for a, a late step in in a fight. And at some point, White, if he's matched the way he's been matched, would get a title shot anyway. So might as well get it out of the, get it out of the way. So you basically just stole my point from what we <laughs> what we were speaking about before. <laughs> I never no. You said that White was just awful, and I'm not saying he's awful. I'm just saying he's not that great, but he deserves to get the shot. Uh, um. Well, logically speaking, like take away all my Dillian White slander out of it. Eventually, no, 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 like no, no, you said, no. that's, that's what people want to hear. You want to come back on the podcast? Let's hear you slander Dillian White. <laughs> Okay, so Dylan White burst onto the scene in 2015, talking about lining him up with Joshua for the British title. That happened at the end of 2015. He gets knocked out. People say he was very brave and valiant. He fought with an injury. We move on with his lives. He Did signed he really a late home. Yeah, yeah, he had a shoulder injury. Um, when he threw that left hook in the second round, it properly went, and he can and he can see in the corner, uh, Jonathan Bank wanted to stop the fight. And so to start to last as long as he did, everyone's like, "Okay, give this guy's props." He talked a lot of, he talked a lot of smack, but he took his being like a man. We can move on. He has some promise in the vision. Since that point, he's had five fights, and he and if people are really going to be honest with themselves, he hasn't looked like this contender that people are making out to be. He had one fight against his journeyman June two thousand sixteen, and then another one. In July, against David Allen, a common opponent, Luis Ortiz, stunk out, stunk out the whole place for a 10-round decision. That was a horrible fight. Ian Lewison in October last year in Scotland, British title. Lewison was about 20 stone, took the fight on a couple of weeks' notice. White basically sticks him out, accumulates a lot of punishment over 10 rounds, and then um, Lewison's corner take pity on him. And then you have the Chisora, Fight which went viral, as you already know, and Chisora basically. I've never seen Derek hurt someone that badly since he he was fighting for the British title years ago. You mean when when he was fighting domestic no hopers? Yeah, like remember Danny Williams, the guy called Vitali Klitschko. Uh, yes, I don't remember the fight with yeah. uh, Chisora. Yeah, but Chisora knocked him out for the British title in, in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And I've never seen Chisora hurt someone that badly since that hurt White since that point. So when he fought White, I was immediately as good as a fight, as good as a low level fight it was, and how we all raved about it afterwards. Immediately, that's when question marks raised about me about Delian White. 
and thinking, okay, this guy is not even a viable contender that I thought he could be. But how did it take you that long? I mean, did you actually buy into the hype after the Joshua fight? Did you really look at that that um, that clip of the amateur fight and think, oh yeah, this guy's actually good because he beat up a, a very green Anthony Joshua? Because the moment I saw White fight, you know, Joshua, I knew he wasn't that good. And he obviously wasn't that good. If he had like 20-something fights and Eddie Hearn still hasn't put him on a headlining card, that means you're not that good. If you don't even have a shred of – if you have a shred of hope at drawing or being good, Eddie Hearn is going to do something with you as a British fighter. Um, well, like to play devil's advocate with that one, um, White's from London. And if you think of like the standout London jewels, there's only one. So it's not a it's a tough market to crack. Okay. Well, so, so you have Joshua. You have Joshua before that. You had Kevin Mitchell, who's retired. You have James Gale, who doesn't really sell Groves? much. George Groves is kind of now coming back into the scene. He sells a bit of tickets. Chris Eubank Jr. as well. But he's from Brighton. And, yeah, but he fights mostly in London, and his last fight was in London. So that that kind of like. That kind of London market's Joshua centric, so you're not really going to be a massive ticket seller. Okay, Joshua and David Hay. Those Ooh, main you, you two. Forgot about David Hay. Uh, he, everyone forgot about David Hay. Yeah, well, there's there's good reason. So what do you but think? Having to, but Go having on. said that, White's lot White was meant to fight was Marius Wack in July, uh, and that was pulled because of a quote unquote foot injury. But when you look at the ticket sales, it was pulled because of the ticket sales. So. He still hasn't really fought a viable contender. I don't really count Chisora because Chisora's on the way out. Chisora's and, done, and he's been done for a while. Yeah. And the fact and, that he had a draw with Dillian White, and well, I know what people say he, was a very entertaining fight. That was a fight with very low skill. Yeah, and Chisora, he made, and White made Chisora look like he was in his mid-20s again. Chisora White, hasn't been good in, in fact, a while. He's old. He hasn't been good, yeah, exactly. There's a the reason why he didn't get a Joshua fight. Yeah. Despite having a name, well, you know, he actually turned down Joshua fight uh, in 2006 before Joshua fought Charles Martin. Chisora was offered a fight for, I think, maybe the European title. He said, "No, I'm going to go to Bulgaria and fight Kubrat Pulev, and then when I win that fight, you're going to pay me ten times the amount of money that you're offering me now." And how did that work out for him? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Okay, that's let's, the, let's... the strange, the strange world of Derek Chisora. <laughs> Well, I get there's something with those British heavyweights. I mean, the only one that seems to have a real head on their shoulders is Anthony Joshua. Here we go with the Joshua loving. I don't know why you don't like Joshua. <laughs> I honestly don't know how anybody doesn't like Anthony Joshua. Um, Unless you had a bad you... deal with him, you know, way back in his previous life. Like, I don't know why you would have a problem with Joshua. Stop, stop. Uh, that would probably be a fire, but. When you listen to one Joshua interview, you listen to them all. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't watch, I don't listen to interviews because I really don't care what they got to say. I'm looking at a fighter and a fighter only. I don't care what Joshua, you know, I don't care what his favorite color is. Do you care? Nah. Well, I guess that would do. That explains why you're Andre Ward fan. Then you don't listen to his interviews. I don't listen enough. to anybody's interviews. It's a waste <laughs> of time. Every boxer has two two. I mean, all athletes. All they do is they do their like. Well, you know. I'm not going to really tell you much. I'm just going to say what I'm supposed to say and get out of this interview without making myself look like a fool. Or the other side of that is, is I'm going to look like a fool so you can write a, a story about me. Don't care either way. Where does um, Tony Belly? Where does Tony Belly fit on the spectrum? He's a, a lunatic. <laughs> lunatic. He hasn't seen anything. Oh he literally, <laughs> he literally have not seen anything. You think Belly's a lunatic? He's one of the more level-headed individuals on the British boxing scene. Okay, but that doesn't say much. So let's move on to the WBC. They've issued an immediate rematch for Canelo Golovkin. Now, is there any concern that a rematch won't happen? I mean, this just it just was reported that it did 1.3 million buys, although Golden Boy and K2 or Golovkin Promotions, whatever it's called, they're disputing the number, saying that that's actually lower than it what it, what it is. I think it'll cap at at 1.5 if we're to believe them, which I think 1.3 is about. It sounds about right. And then it also did the third largest gate in boxing history, which I dispute on a on a whole basis of um, inflation. How did I get but whatever. Up? Yeah, like I, when I read, I thought we went. It was top fifteen, but third, nah. I mean, possibly so, in Nevada, and and the the headline was um, 
a little they took some um liberties with the, with the headline but either way it made a ton of money at the gate and i <clears> think uh th- th- what what this is is this is basically the wbc putting their name out there making sure that they're the sanctioning body that's in all the headlines so they just had one with luis ortiz testing positive and now they're going to say that we're going to issue an immediate rematch and capitalize on the controversy of the first fight when really you didn't need to order it this rematch is happening no matter what based off of the result and the numbers that it did from this fight there's it just it will happen again no matter what so well they've already they already gave that little belt they made for the fight to Golovkin even though he didn't win <laughs> so they just want to do more things to annoy Canelo <laughs> right which is it's petty and um I guess you know good for them for being petty and trying to take something out on Canelo but like who cares about the sanctioning bodies this is another thing I don't care about sanctioning bodies I don't care that they issued a rematch w- what's the point yeah once you get to that level of the sport sanctioning bodies are irrelevant this is what even when it comes to like monetary challenges, like he's mentioned Joshua and how he's fighting Kubat Pulev. If there was another viable opponent who was better than Pulev, which there isn't at this stage, I don't think, realistically. Charles just, Martin. Just fighting John, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guard. <laughs> but it's just fight, hit, just drop the belt and fight. Like, what purpose is it just trying to get all the belts to be undisputed so you can be, so you can get like stripped after like 10 days like Crawford did? Or Mayweather did. Or yeah. you could pay twenty percent of your purse to the san- for sanctioning fees, and then forty five percent to your manager, promoter, and blah blah blah, and end up walking away with thirty five percent of the actual purse. Like sanctioning bodies are like a big con. It's basically like insurance that, like, um, you know, car insurance. insurance that, yeah, insurance that you can never really get back. <laughs> yeah, you don't get it but back. You, you know what I would I prefer. Need- if at the end of the year they would just say, "Hey, you have an option. We we keep all your money." Or we we make one bet for half of the money. We keep your money, and if it wins, you get the money. And if it loses, well, oh well, we lost the money. Like you know, make it fun. Yeah. I put that money on Luce Ortiz to knock out Wilder inside six. <laughs> I put it on Anthony Joshua to go undefeated next year. I think there's a possibility that Joshua can go undefeated his whole career. Yeah, he probably will because he's actually pretty good. <laughs> I, I, relax I, I like relax, relax yourself. <laughs> I like how. You know, you you sound like Joshua when you talk, and yet you hate him. Is that why you hate him? Because you think he stole your personality? No. Next question. <laughs> I've I've heard that several times since we started talking. Um, Tom Luffler is concerned though about the rematch, specifically Vegas as a location. He thinks that um, mm. that the deck is stacked in his favor or was stacked against him in the first fight. But I, I think that maybe there's a reason that he's concerned this time. And is there a reason though, is the question like, should he be concerned about where the fight takes place? Um, yes and no. So yes, the, there is a deck stacked against Golovkin. And even though people tried to act like there wasn't, and it was basically like preempted damage control from Golovkin fans to point out that, yeah, he may get ribbed on the scorecards or he may not get a fair shake. We know he is because he's the B-side. And this is just the inevitabilities of big-time fight, big time prize fighting, especially in Vegas. It's not really in a sense because what's the alternative? Are they going to go to Texas and have Lawrence Collins as the referee and have Gail Lee Van Hoy or whoever or the Kais judging? So Those are California-based judges. I don't I don't know. All all American judges look the same to me, apart from Harold Lederman, <laughs> my guy. Because because you can you can one sixteen one twelve Golovkin. No one sixteen one twelve Golovkin. Perfect score. Yeah. Okay. Should we pull up uh, some of his other scores? Justice for Kovalev. He had Kovalev winning, beating Warden the first fight. Perfectly fine. You're like an by HBO me. shill. Stop talking. <laughs> HBO is boxing, mate. Yeah. Home boxing office. <laughs> home boxing office. Okay, it's home box office. But, but no, realistically, do you, there's no real alternative, is there? Look. They, they just made a shed load of money, and we know that as much as they profess for being all about the belts, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, if they, if they really did care about the belts, we can always go back to the old, then why did you take the step-aside money for so long? But here's the thing. I, I, whether it's true or not, I think the issue that I have with this is that I think it's time for Luffler to just stop talking because he's starting to sound like <laughs> Kathy Duva. 
And at some point, you got to go back to what, like, what got Golovkin in this position? Why is he so beloved? Because Golovkin and his team have never said anything. They've always just been like, you know what? Golovkin does this fighting in the ring, so you can say what you say, but when it comes down to it, sign the fight and you'll get knocked out. That's what got Golovkin into this position. And now we just hear complaint after complaint after justification and reason and excuse and more complaints. And it's like, I mean, Abel Sanchez is doing this a lot and now Luffler is doing it. And there's no point to it because that's not what Golovkin fans, like that's not what they like him for. They like him because he has that Mexican mentality of I'll take on all comers. I don't care about the other um, aspects of business wise. I'll, I'll fight you for free. I mean, that didn't work out for Kovalev. But he'll essentially, you know, I'll fight for free if I have to. I just want to fight you. And it, it, they got very vocal after the Brook fight, heading into the Jacobs and after the Jacobs fight. And funnily enough, those were the fights where we started to see Golovkin have some chinks in the armor. And I think... I was, I'm so happy you didn't say he was exposed because... No, he wasn't exposed. <laughs> you're, look, you're Golovkin... Look, I, I, I think Canelo did fantastic in that fight. But he did fantastic against a great fighter. And, I, you know, I think there are certainly... Golovkin is not as good as people think he is. Okay? But is he one of the Agreed. best fighters in the sport? Yes. But he's nowhere near any point of Floyd Mayweather's career. Like, that level of excellence is just not there. And Golovkin is not even close, pound for pound, uh, to Terrence Crawford and what they are able to do in the ring. Golovkin's a prescriptive fighter that fights the same way every single time. The only good thing about it is that it works every single time and he doesn't have to do anything different. But we've Agreed. seen a guy like Crawford and a guy like Andre Ward come in and use a different style each time. That There's a big difference between that and um, what Golovkin does. Now, does that to take away from Golovkin? Not much because he's still very good, still able to almost unify an entire division. I mean, I think we should count the failed negotiations with Billy Joe Saunders, the numerous fa- failures. Um, we should just count that as an L for Saunders. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't really have a title. I mean, when you're defending your title against Willie Monroe Jr., like, and that's the toughest fight of your career, uh, I don't know about that. No. So I, I know you're a British fan. You want to bring up Andy Lee. You want to bring up Chris Eubank Jr. Come talk to me when they have a win on the world level. Okay. You run Junior B Abraham. You, you know how hard it is to crack the shell. He actually stumbled him once. Caught him off balance. So did Gilberto Ramirez. So, like, who cares? I forgot about, I forgot about that Ramirez fight because it was that boring. That yeah. was most so was the Eubank fight. So. It was, so was the Eubank Abraham fight. It was just a, a waste of time. But that's what Eubank Abraham actually, does. He wastes everybody's time by just shelling up and not doing anything other than landing the weird Joshua Claudie counter. I mean, Claudie did it better. Let's just say that but i i think golovkin that, that camp just needs to say you know what we'll do the rematch well you're gonna get paid again and what we saw is at at worst you're, they're gonna get a draw i think golovkin is basically locked into the kind of dynamic which is going to shape the way his career is defined so it's basically now or never he has to take the rematch and it's kind of like the kind of trajectory that's going to define how his career is viewed and what like this next fight? I don't know yeah. what their problem is wanting to fight again in December. That that's not how this I mean, works. They they kept up this like kind of like narrative that they're three times a year fighters or they're more active than the rest, and that's how and that's what got them to the dance quintessentially. But you're they, now thirty five years old, going on thirty six, and you're at like the elite elite level of price fighting. You had two of the toughest fights of your career okay. in this calendar year. But, then that would kind of be an admission that we do have something to fear with Canelo. In what way? In that if they're seeing that Golovkin's getting old, they realize that it's close enough that if he ages a little bit, or a lot, but a little bit, that the result could be a fair win for Canelo. I think that kind of fear would be prevalent regardless of whether it's Canelo or someone else. I'm not saying that I wouldn't pick anyone most in the division, in the middleweight division, to best Golovkin, even that version we saw against Coletto, which is obviously a less sharper version as the one that we saw in the previous five years leading up to it. But The previous five fear. years leading up to it. Well, who looks the same that they looked five years ago? Joshua doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> That's only if you're doing a Skype call. Is yeah. uh, We're going to switch the subject now. Um just because we kind of got off the rails on that, but is yeah. Naoya Inoue's claims of not being able to find an opponent justified? 
Do you think they really can't find an opponent? Um, I think they are trying, but in a short period, the pace of time because of the success of Superfly and the way the division shaped up now, that they're gonna have to probably be patient and try and stay busy, like they do in Japan at, at the turn of the year, and then look to go straight back into the deep end uh, midway through next year. I think so. I don't. I think they are slightly overblown. But I do, I do, I do think that um, who is it? Anne Carhas, who's come to Belfast to defend his title in November, he, I don't think he's up for the fight, from what I've been reading and seeing. But I don't think that's indeed to everyone in the division is in any way the big monster. <laughs> well, that you can, you can truthfully call him the monster of the division. Um, but I, he's gonna fight Jamie Coleman too. That's gonna be a hilarious no, fight. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. No, Jamie's gonna try really hard. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's what you can ask for as a British fight. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have the crowd on his side. He's gonna try really hard. Okay, just <laughs> like Charlie Edwards did. Uh, let's not. We don't speak about that fight. Totally the most point pointless fight of all the pointless fights her made last year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like you. Like... Oh, well, that, it was actually on the same card of probably the most pointless fight he's ever made. <laughs> What was the headliner of that one? Uh, no, that was the Brook. Uh, that was the Brook um, Golovkin card. Uh, bingo. Uh, oh yeah. Well, at least Kel got. See what Kel you're got paid. <laughs> well, Kel did get paid, but he also uh, had to give up a lot of his money on uh, paying for that eye reconstruction. Uh, I think it's the the claims are justified though, and uh, one of the things that I wonder is if. Um, they're looking for an HBO date, and I don't. What one of the things I think they're not used to is having to be dictated by HBO's availability of when they can show a card. You know, in Japan, I'm sure that they have their own deal with the network where they show the fights when they want to show the fights, or at least they have something worked out where there's some sort of predict predictability uh, about it. But HBO's past couple of years have been anything but predictable, so um, that puts them in a tough spot. And typically, all the Japanese fighters fight on New Year's Eve. And I yeah, think there's a lot big, of fighters that, card. yeah, I think there's a lot of fighters that don't want to be on that card because they don't want to have to be training through Christmas and the holidays. Or um, the other thing is, how many fighters want to go to Japan and take a loss? Because that's what's <laughs> Not happening. Many, and no reputable. I remember, I think it was a banterways. Um, yeah, a couple work schedules go there last year, but then fell through and took up other decent offers they got in other corner of the earth. Who who are you talking about? You you just are incomprehensible right now. Um, who was it? Lee Haskins had an offer to go to Japan at the end of last year, but oh, then passed it up. Lee Haskins, you know you know why that that was um couldn't just couldn't understand what you were saying because no one cares. Worth, uh, no no not worth understanding. But yeah, right, yeah. Okay, well yeah, Roman Gonzalez. Like... <laughs> he intends to God continue bless, his career. God bless his soul. He intends God bless to his soul. continue his career after his loss. God to, bless his soul. Shvistakits uh, or Rungvasai. He's looking to challenge for, and this is appropriate for you, okay? He's looking to challenge yeah, for Kalyafai's WBA title. Now, Kalyafai. So I'll just say it right now. Gonzalez is done. I said it before on the podcast. I'll say it again. He's done. He is done. He will not have another World Devil win. This is not happening. Would Jeffai cause a World Level win? Uh, yeah, I, I rank Yafai as a world level fighter. One of yeah, the few agreed. British world level fighters. Yeah, I think he's in that um, top tier of British fighters, personally. I don't think, because he's in the lower weight classes, he probably doesn't get his just due, but he's a very talented fighter. Yeah. The thing is that if he, if Gonzalez was to pick anyone in that division, it probably would be Yafai because he doesn't have he doesn't have like that nasty punch power that you'd expect from anyone else. Yeah, but and the he's speed. The speed. But the speed and the athleticism and the size, because you remember, Yafai started his career at 118 and moved down compared to a guy who started his career at 105. And yeah. he's now reflexes and he's starting to see like the effects of having a dynamic pressure fighting style catch up with him. It, so it, it doesn't end well, in no. my opinion. But um, if it was to be, if there was to be anyone he, he could have success against, it would be Yafai because he's probably the least proven and the more favorable star matchup for Gonzalez out of that bunch. But again, I'm, I'll be backing my boy. 
this 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 says something because Gonzalez could easily go after Quadras. It was a close fight after all. Mm-hmm. He could want to fight, um, you know, a number of other 115 pound fighters that don't have a belt. I mean, and you would think that coming back and trying to fight uh, and build yourself back up, at least one or two fights, would be the right way to go if you're somebody who suffered uh, two losses in a row, one very devastating, but instead he but wants to go it, for a title. But now that he's on that big HBO platform, he's probably seen that he wants to keep up that level of opposition from like a prize point of view and also to get those that big HBO money as well. Okay, well, how you define big HBO money... I'd like to know because uh, he's, he is, again, a 115-pound fighter fighting on a network that doesn't usually spotlight those division fighters and is on a very small budget. So do you mean like the 300000 he might have gotten paid? Yeah, that's probably about, way above average for that divi- that low weight class threshold, I think. Yeah. you got Yeah, so that collecting those sort of paydays are going to help towards the end. I wonder what do you if... Think uh, after? I wonder what he, he would make fighting Yafai. Doesn't. Oh, it depends because they're thinking of having Superfly too. With obviously you got Swiss Cassette versus Estrada, Quadras maybe versus Inoue or Inoue versus someone else, and then obviously Yafai, Chocolatita. Now that Chocolatita is um, number no, one that's, that's in the WBA, a brutal fight. I just don't want to see Gonzalez fight again. Because not only is he physically not there anymore, like he's mentally not there, and it and it's quite visible as well the way that his reflexes are less yeah. shot than ever. That's like the one thing that stood out to me from watching that last fight. And he <laughs> he hasn't experienced the kind of opposition or the kind of adversity in fights before that's prepared him to have to dig in fights. He doesn't know that, um, and that's what you saw in the Rungvisai fight where he gets hurt and his uh his instinct is to just load up a right hand oh well and that'll his, put you to sleep bo- and his body language once he couldn't really deter swiss cassette was very visible as well he was visibly discouraged yeah and well he he was also basically he was immediately in flight mode in the second round so yep i think gonzalez is done yafai is a good fighter um and and look at you! Look at you giving the British fire props. I oh, I spent I spent the whole podcast giving <laughs> the props that he deserves to Anthony Joshua. Um, <sighs> I mean, I did say bad things about Saunders and Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, and, and, Fu- and Fury. Andy Lee. Well, Fury was before we started talking. Andy um, Lee's Irish, so he doesn't he doesn't really count. But you know. And uh, I did say, yeah, Andy Lee, but is the, aren't they part of uh, the UK? Honorary members. Honorary especially members. Lee. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything yeah. bad about Bellew in the ring. <laughs> but if you'd like me to, I will. No, this is a Tony Bellew slam free podcast. Okay. <clears throat> You're not even from Liverpool, so I don't understand that. Uh, Adonis Stevenson versus Eliider Alvarez. It's probably going to happen, but it'll most likely be next year. 2021? Uh, Well, I think they're waiting for Stevenson to get older. Yeah, he definitely didn't look that that old versus Fonfara. That left hand looked fucking laser. But I know it's Fonfara, but that left hand was as sharp as ever. I was like, what? Stevenson, when he's like 66 years old, which is not too far away, by the way. But when he's 66, if, if, if you were going to get it, imagine any boxer in a street fight, if we've got all the boxers in the world and put them in a tournament and it's a street fight where basically they're going to bump into each other and then everybody, like, it's just what happens. Stevenson would probably win. That left hand, that left. it'll knock out Joshua. That left hand is what Conor McGregor fans think that his left hand is. <laughs> that is. That left hand is a laser. So even like, who would you favor between Stevenson and Buddy Jack? I know they're talking about that. Uh, I, I, first of all, I love that fight. I think that's a, it was a, a great brilliant, style It's matchup. a really good fight. It's a really good fight. But um, um, I, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to back Jack as much as I think he's a, a cemented himself amongst the best in the sport. I think the Just line <laughs> would be Stevenson minus one something. Minus one seven five ish, maybe minus one fifty. Yeah, so he's a slight favorite, but. Jack would be the smart money. It's just yeah. Jack will outwork him easily. 
if Jack can withstand like the first four, then he'd have to favor his chances. Now, I mean, no, if Jack can just avoid getting hit with the left hand, because I think that that left hand will be dangerous but at any point in the fight. Especially early, especially early, because Jack has been dropped early. Yeah, that's in true. Fights before. I mean, and Jack's improved so much defensively, but like it just takes still, one mistake. And then he's still he, he's improved, but he's still very hitable. Like, is Stevenson's left hand the 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 best weapon in boxing? I would probably I would say that it's probably up there. I top three. You know, it'd probably be that. Um, <laughs> uh, McGregor's left hand. Yeah. And um, then uh, Berto Chris No, Chris Uvanjuni's uppercuts, mate. Oh, Get with yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Um, uppercut game. Let me know when he actually wins a world title. He's got one. The IBO. Oh. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. All the great champions have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're awarded it like a, like a certificate <laughs> of authenticity. You're Joshua fan. He has it. He parades it pridefully. Yeah, but he also has like three other titles. Yeah, there are Tyson Fury's belts, mate. Yeah, well, if Tyson Fury wasn't off doing coke all the time and weighing 500 pounds, he might have them. Yeah, Next nothing question. to say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Golden Boy, they intend to put on a card in December that will have Miguel Cotto facing David Lemieux and Lucas Matisse <sighs> fighting Adrian Broner. So well, first question... That Matisse fight's not happening. Yeah, so first question, Miguel Cotto, can he win against David Lemieux? Yeah, I think he can. Um, are, are you, well, size, obviously, yeah. obviously, the, obviously the obvious, it's, obvious issues like size differential, Lemieux's power, and just aggressive nature style, all going to be quite difficult for, for Cotto and his age to navigate, but Lemieux can be outboxed with a simple jab. So, oh well, let's not call Golovkin's jab simple. No, he he can be outboxed by jab, and this is not by just Golovkin. We've seen it before. Who's outboxed him? Wacky Marcin, the French dream. Okay, but that was a long time ago before Lemieux learned to box. He's still not that great a boxer. He's like he's like a club fight with a punch. <laughs> oh, so basically Arturo Gatti. Eh, Gatti had better fundamentals than Lemieux in his prime. He learned them just just as Matisse's learned them. Yeah, true. That's a. Um, I probably would lean Lemieux because I think Koso isn't as fluid as he want as he needs to be at thirty-seven, but. That's not as foregone a conclusion as I thought it would be when I first heard about the fight. When I first heard about the fight, it's like, no way Cody is taking that fight because we know how he feels about competitive matchups at this day and age of his career. He fought Canelo. Are, are you saying maybe yeah. he just, he, like, he wants to be in a mismatch no matter which way it goes? But like, yeah, he just fought Camera Guy. Like, he's a shrewd businessman. That's the number one 154 pound Japanese fighter. I thought that's like their heavyweight. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> okay. Um, how confident are you that Adrian Broner will actually appear on a Golden Boy card? I'm more confident in the Saints making the Super Bowl, mate. <laughs> Your Saints aren't going to appear in the Super Bowl. Drew Brees is going to take us there. Yeah, if he's buying everybody tickets. <laughs> to be honest, I'm already proponing my defection to the Rams. Oh wow, yeah. Well, as as somebody uh, from LA, um, I can definitely agree with you there. Jared Goff does look like, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That offense is explosive, defensive talent. Oh man. Yeah, all coming up roses for them. But back on topic. Um, I think you may see Brown in some capacity, um, but I don't think it will be Golden Boy and it won't be on HBO. I no, think I don't. See him, you don't think you see him at all this year? This year, I don't think so. I think maybe early next I think, year. Because I think they are planning something with PVC towards the end of the year. I know they talk, Brandon Reed 
Brandon Rios was talking about Danny Garcia <laughs> towards the end of the year. No, no, no. That's something we don't need to see. I mean, unless yeah. Brandon Rios is, is like a, an analyst now and is talking about Danny <laughs> Garcia's next fight, then I'll take that. But I do not want to see Brandon Rios fighting Danny Garcia. Like, that's a knockout waiting to happen. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen Brandon Rios get beat and take a right hand and smile like it didn't hurt. What do you mean we, it's been a while? He fought this year. And he was, oh, yeah. all, he was up to his old tricks against, like, <laughs> a, a journeyman. Oh, like yeah, he, he somehow fight. made a journeyman fight into a fight of the year contender. That's Brandon Rios for you. Uh, what about the World Boxing Super Series? So we saw Marius Bradis, and if you notice, we just kind of switched the, the order around this week, and that's because this fight we're not going to talk about very much. Marius Bradis, he won a decision against Mike Perez. It was ugly. Like The crowd and, is great. <laughs> okay, you know, that's that's... You know, if you, you gotta you got think of the positives, the crowd was great. The best viewed fight out of all of them so far, ten thousand okay. strong. Well, that was probably the like the first real major fight that was in Latvia in a very long time, maybe ever. True. And uh, now, can Bradis beat Ushik? You know how I feel about <laughs> Ushik. I think Ushik is one of the most talented fighters in the sport. Bradis is going to get schooled. Um, uh, it's difficult to disagree with that. I don't think um, Bradis has his style and he's effective doing it. Um, but even f- from the things that he showed in that fight and some of the weaknesses that Perez was able to capitalize on early, you'd have to think that Usyk would be licking his lips like that. I don't. Yeah. It's that's kind of like the semi-final match where I'm thinking, eh, just let's get past that painlessly and skip through to the final. Yeah. So I mean, we always knew Usyk was going to be in the final. Um, yeah, and the, the the real fight is can can Gassiev, Well, he's got to advance first, I, and I'm pretty sure he will. But can he get past Dordicos? Like yeah. that's the fight. Um, but that, I, yeah, that is that's a standout fight out of all the brackets, probably. Yeah, the because because Gassiev might be able to actually take a punch. Mm. And the able Sanchez fight, fight maybe able to move his head. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just kidding. I like Abel. I like you. I'm not a hater. <laughs> okay. So, um, a close family friend like is like very close with Abel. So, like, I shouldn't really say this, but I just think Abel talks too much. I think. Yeah, he does. You just let your he fighter talk, fight. Your fighter can back it up. Way. He talks way too much. He's, he's like prime Freddy Roach. Yeah. Times and, 10. But this is why I like Joshua because he doesn't say anything. No, Joshua does say stuff. This is what... Did, did he not see him try to start on Vitali once the Valerie fight was finished? Joshua's not a nice guy. He's got a mean streak. No, but he better be. He better not be a nice... I don't want to like a nice guy. I want to like a fighter with the mean streak, but I don't want a fighter to be mouthing off all the time like they were. They went to the Tony Bellew school of broadcasting. Belly doesn't mouth off that much. He does. <laughs> he does. And Joshua, I know, just never really says anything. He's like, he's like Crawford. Crawford never says anything. He'll he'll answer questions when you ask him questions, but really, he's just like, "Am I done here?" Both, they both have the charisma of a raisin. That's fine with me. Nah, that's not cool with me. I've gone to this sport based on characters, and those two aren't really the sort of characters I've gone to the sport. With. Then why don't I you best... go watch WWE? Because I don't know half the people are in it anymore. Well, we it's can no go fun. down the list and just, you know, we'll, we'll get to know them. Well, you, you know what I'm talking about. You need that kind of vibrance of the sport. And I guess Joshua gets a pass. Both of them get a pass because they're two of the most exciting fighters in the sport. And then Crawford, I think he's the number one guy in the sport right now. So they kind of get a pass. But if they were boring and they spoke the way they did, oh dear. Well, yeah, that goes without Maybe saying. They, they'd be in big trouble. I mean, Leo Santa Cruz is also one of the most talented fighters in the sport, but you don't see him uh, in the news every other day because he just like, I mean, he's one of those guys that doesn't even want to be famous. If you, if he doesn't, have doesn't his even, he, he doesn't even like boxing. <laughs> I mean, he might not. I mean, he probably doesn't like boxing the right way. I mean, you saw how like in his post-fight interview with Frampton, he was just like, you know, I really wanted to fight the other way, but you know, I was told not to. So I did what I was told. 
let's talk about Jesus Christ. This is the British Boxing Podcast this week. We have another fight coming up this week. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Crolla versus Ricky Burns. Now, Crolla uh. thinks that his losses to Jorge Linares have made him a better fighter. Do you believe him? We'll find out Saturday, won't we? <laughs> okay, um, that's usually not how a podcast goes. You either have an opinion. Do you either agree with that or disagree with that? I'm inclined to disagree because the first Jorge Linares fight, he lost nine out of the 12 rounds and the second one he lost 11 out of the 12 rounds <laughs> so <laughs> and the narrative going to the second whole Linares fight was this Quallo went through some stuff in camp the first time around didn't do some things right gonna put it right here but then this proceeded to get a ceremonial beating all across Manchester by a much more talented fighter now, in a fight in a, in a rematch was pretty much pointless but could the collective experience of being in Rosanna's chances of Linares help against Quadra, against Burns? Po- possibly. And it, it may be more slight relief because Burns obviously won't be as elusive or dynamic as Linares is, which goes without saying. And I would favour Quadra to win the fight convincingly. Well, not com- pretty clearly. I wouldn't say convincingly. Because of like the the timing of when it's happening, so so you're favoring Crawler. Yeah, confidently. You don't think that Ricky Burns has a chance? No, not from the Ricky Burns I've seen. Ricky Burns has been on a slippery slope for about four years now. I mean, I agree, but I think Burns still does a lot of things well. And I think at 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 the at the absolute best, Burns is the better fighter. But because the reflexes have gone and uh, there's enough slippage there, he'll be low. He'll be drawn to kind of fight that will only favor Qualler, and that's one that's up close, as opposed to at mid or long range, where Burns can work off the jab and land power punches. Well, so up, up close, Qualler will just be working the body and trying like grinding down. And bear in mind that Burns is stepping down in weight from 140 for this. This fight is a lightweight. People have been saying that's a catch rate. No, it's a lightweight. <laughs> do you... Th- oh, that's... And that was the thing that I noticed too, I think, when the fight got announced. It's like, wow, they're doing to do this at lightweight. So Burns, who struggled to make lightweight for a while, moved up to 140, is coming back down to 135 to fight Crawler. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure he struggled per se, but... Um, I'm quoting him. Oh. I don't make this stuff up. Oh, you done your homework? Well, I wasn't. I wasn't aware that you're struggling. But okay, so he moved up, got. I mean, he's a big guy work. too. He's a really tall. He was really tall for lightweight. He's like five ten, five eleven. Yeah, he is tall, and that um, works. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it'll be that kind of like close, low output trench warfare kind of thing that the British fans will get excited about, <laughs> like a Gavin Reese fight. Yes, precisely like a Gavin Reese fight. Okay, so if Ricky Burns fought Jorge Linares next, do you think that they could combine to win six rounds against him, between him and Krola? So if Krola's already won four yeah. out of 24, can Ricky win two? Um, well, can they beat Luke Campbell's win uh, rounds one against... Uh, Linares. Well, they already equaled it because I thought Luke only won four. Okay, but be generous. He won six. Okay, if we're being generous, at the best he won six. Um, maybe they could equal it. They're definitely not topping it because. <laughs> and that takes into consideration that Linares will probably take a couple of rounds off and Burns could take a beating and come back and give people hope. <laughs> that that's that's like the the narrative of British fighters is they usually get beat, but they do a little bit to give their fans hope. And then in rematches, they look outclassed. They tried. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, what I say. Let's move on and talk about another fight that I'm sure is just people are hyped up unbelievably about. And that's Chris Eubank Jr. versus Avni Yildirim. I think is how you say his name. I don't know. Yildirim. Yildirim. Turkish. Yeah, what do you have to say about this fight? Because I got nothing to say about it. I, I don't think Eubank is any good. I think he's good enough to maybe win the tournament because he's athletic and like 
has power. But other than that, like, I don't know what to say about him. I'm a f- as of this year, I'm officially on the Eubank hype train. I feel like he'll be the one to watch in the tournament. Um, as it relates to this fight, Yildirim is what you get. He's a come forward, aggressive guy. He's going to throw a lot of punches. And Eubank won't be able to get away with some of the stuff he has in previous fights. Like he didn't, because he's fighting an actual guy who's young and fresh. But as it comes, as it, when it comes down to it, Yubank should be too athletic and crafty for Yildirim. And I think it should be fun. So if you're disappointed by the Braiders fight, definitely turn in, tune into this one. And right. Watch you once you back to center greatness and piss everyone else, piss everyone else off in the meantime. Do you think that this will be a more entertaining fight than Crawler Burns? Oh, of course. Crawler Burns being made out to be a war, like Eddie Hearn said that Martin Murray versus Gabe Rosado would be would be the best fight he's ever made. Okay, I was saying the moment that fight got signed, this fight is going to be ugly. You can tell just... Two guys with no power and defense first styles? Come on. There was no way there was going to be a war. Just because you bleed in a fight doesn't make it a fun fight. They're just famous for getting beat up. I don't think... My Murray hasn't been in a exciting fight ever. I don't think. No, he hasn't. Yeah, the Martinez fight was kind of like nice and tense because you you wondered if Sergio's knee was going to fall off in the ring. But apart from that, he's not the most exciting fighter. Martin Murray's most exciting fight was a Golovkin fight. And it was only because when is he going to get knocked out? Because that was the height of Golovkin's powers. Yep. Agreed. And uh, Martin, could, Martin could take a beating. So one last thing before we go. Manny Pacquiao says he wants to fight in China. He plans, he plans it. <laughs> Ducking the king. That the buy money's there. The du- wait, ducking the king is that what you said? Yep, King Kong, baby. Oh God, you <laughs> you really think like if if the fight with Khan was there to be had, they would have made it. Like, what does Pacquiao <laughs> have to fear with fighting Amir Khan? Yeah, hand speed, hand speed, the movement, the skills, the total package. You know, you know, he doesn't want that work. Um, but no, seriously. Um, back in back in Macau again, or just China in general, th- mainland. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it just says China. Because I heard that he want to fight in the Philippines, and then he doesn't want to go back to Brisbane to rematch Horn and Horns fighting <laughs> Gary Cochran, who's a literally a below Wait, British I thought he was fighting waterway. Bradley Skeet. No, he Skeet's too dangerous. You see, so. They're trying to get government money to find Gary Cochran, who's a English level welterweight slash light middleweight. Well, so basically, this has just been like the most depressing podcast ever. It's like, oh, bad news after bad news. Yeah, Zhu Ximing is coming yes, back, and yes. Manny Pacquiao's going to fight on Zhu Ximing's undercard. Sorry, boxing fans, but Jeff Horn's going to milk that belt. Uh, from what I'm looking at this article, it looks like it's going to be mainland. Mainland China. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so. guess. Okay. Oh my God, I'm watching, I'm watching the Chiefs and none of them are kneeling. What is this? None of them are kneeling? Yeah. Are, are you for the kneeling? I think it's cool because everyone gets, oh, well, one person's sitting down. He's actually sitting? Yeah. We'll see. That's some balls because everybody's been kneeling. Um, but they needed to stop airing the national anthem. Like, why do we air the national anthem before? Why, yeah, that's why I don't get Do you, you guys do it? So, no. We do it at, like, major special events. And even then, it's annoying. And when you, when you do it at boxing fights here, for big world title fights, they like to do it. And everyone just gets annoyed. Well, they do it for boxing fights because it's a very nationalistic sport. You usually have guys from different countries fighting each other, and you play yeah, up, play that up yeah. for the fans. But like when you're when you, when it's the Kansas City Chiefs playing, uh, who are they playing tonight? The Redskins, Washington Redskins. Yeah, Redskins. Like that's two. Of, that's the capital of our country, and a place right in the middle of the country. Do we need the national anthem? You don't need it at all. Just play at the Super Bowl. 
<laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl fine. You know, when everybody's well, actually watching an hour before the game starts. But that's it for this episode. Um, thanks for coming on, uh, SKB or Babs, whatever you want to be called. If you disagree with him, let him know. I will no, make no, sure. I will, <laughs> I will stay post, mad. I will post his username there so you know it and you can argue with him. Um, all the Joshua criticism and the British fight criticism was from him, not me. So, yeah, 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 normal rating and review stuff. But this past week, we were in the chat room, in our normal Slack chat room, and uh, one of the users made a song for the podcast. And I thought, oh, cool, he made a song for the podcast. This is going to be cool. Um, and I put it on thinking, like, this would be a new theme to open up the podcast. And it was actually a diss track. Uh, so one of the users basically went in on, and you'll recognize a lot of the people he mentions from the, the, the subreddit, but also these are all people from the chat, including myself, SKB, he, he gets a line in there. <laughs> and we're going to play that for you in full. And uh, if you want to talk about it, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll quote the, or not quote the user, but I'll tag him in the post so you guys can uh, respond to him and let him know if the song was any good or not. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the song. Do not turn it off until the end. And uh, SKB, till next time. Layers. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you see what they were posting on Slack? Yeah. They were posting Roy News. Hey, yo. Gross. Yo, shout out to the Sunday Puncher crew. All a bunch of chodes. Fuck y'all. If you're new to Reddit boxing, fuck you too. I creep into your girl's DMs I slide her Roy nudes and it starts to begin Nora punk bitch, he keeps talking shit I'ma beat him in fight night, it's over real quick Zuluski is a punk motherfucker And his mom's still having kids Ooh, she's a sucker, I'm a bad motherfucker Woo! I'm your father Yeah I'm the fucking daddy Yo, I make this rap cause I hate you fools I'm Andre, one below the belt I don't play by the rules You really think Sugar Ray is the shit? A modern high schooler would break off his fucking dick I see dumb shit and you're upvoted to the heavens Y'all don't know shit, you were born in 97 You think you're Max Kellerman when you talk shop But y'all don't know shit, you should fucking stop Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit. Yo, Gucci purse on me, like the Eubanks do. My right cross will split your head into fucking two. Blaze Cypher wants to be a Japanese man. Sucking as many Asian dicks as he can. Tom Cody is cool, cause he goes to the press. It's too bad he's a fucking cross-dresser. Yo, Sparty, I know you're special. But lay off the sauce, man. You gotta stop drinking petrol. Yo, Scouse, cunt, SKB. I know you hate black people, but you gotta understand they are your Fucking equal, Ryang, whip me up some super size shit before I come to Mickey D's and terrorize shit. Hami and scorecard, I got nothing to say, so why don't you hop back down Wallaby Way? T Money is funny, but he got no dick, so let's send him a prayer, fucking real quick. Dear Lord, please give T Money the strength to endure without a penis. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't Cheap boxer, I don't know if you're Simon or not, but either way, you should swallow a cock. Gleb, I know you wanna move to Florida so you can inspect men's assholes like an explorer. Brain dead, Sean, you should join him so you can eat Gleb's asshole every morning. Nom, nom, nom. Team SOG, you must have a handicap so I'll feel bad even mentioning you in this fucking rap. Leo, you seem like a nice dude. I apologize if I've ever been rude. Nah, MDA, AMA, my asshole. Before you all dumb fucks take your toll on my health. Cause y'all newbies be posting whack shit. I'm finna break my own back on some vain shit. Effective aggression, more like can't get an erection. He shows his wife Roy nudes just to get her retention. 
Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't Throw dingers, nachos, I'ma spam new to your teacher Fuck your scholarship, your world's getting bleaker Martin, hit me up with your neighbor's shit Or I'm liable to break into your house and start breaking shit And let's not forget about Noir He's the biggest piece of shit that I've ever heard thus far Always talking shit, but he can't back it up He talks like a rubber band's wrapped around his nuts He claims he's Mexican, but he don't like spice The simple fuck only eats buttered white rice When I'm on the mic, it's like you're fighting Floyd, one wrong move, you get destroyed. Yo, I murdered you cats, let this be a lesson. Tweed clocks and ganja, bitch, I'm a fucking blessing. Think before you speak, I'm man up. This rap bangs harder than Canelo's uppercut. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit about boxing. Y'all don't know shit, y'all don't know shit, y'all don't.